<laughs> Hello, this is the Surprise Lake Middle School Principal's Office podcast, and I understand that you are a avid listener. Yes, I think I've listened to just about every episode you've done so far. I love you so much right now. I'm just impressed by that. Um, all right, so uh, introduce yourself, your background, and the time in our district. So my name is Mr. Foster. Um, this is my sixth year teaching, but first year up here at Surprise Lake. I'm coming from Southern California. Uh, before I got into education, I worked as an archaeologist, both uh, for academic purposes down in Central America and uh, for a living uh, all across the Southwest United States. Cool. Can you expand upon? Because you were telling me a little bit about the stories about like mm-hmm. the uh, like the military stuff. And you mm-hmm. have to look at. Expand upon that a little bit. I, I'm interested. So I mean, you know, I got to earn a living at some point. Um, while I was uh, working in the Southwest, we were primarily working as military contractors because uh, we were part of the group of people that goes in and does the environmental regulations. You always hear about like in the movies or in the articles, like the spotted owl that holds up a construction project. We were there to look uh, for any what were called uh, cultural resources. So normally it's like endangered wildlife, endangered uh, plant life, uh, geologic resources. In our case, it was culture resources. So things of quote-unquote significance to some group of people based on certain criteria, which I'm not going to go into because this doesn't need to become a law class. (laughs) Um, But we were primarily out there to make sure... Um, because there's laws that are in place to make it so that all federally held lands are supposed to be inventoried of all uh, potential culture resources so that they can uh, mitigate their impacts around there. So we were there to either see if there was something there that they shouldn't you know, run over with a tank or uh, make sure that when they were expanding out a building that they didn't accidentally go through something that they shouldn't. Cool. All right. So uh, let's lead. Perfect segue. When did we? De- when did you decide to work in education? So I decided that the archaeologist life was not a long term, uh, not a long term solution for a couple reasons. One, any kids listening, your summer breaks appreciate them <laughs> because having to go to an office when your younger brothers and sisters get the summer off is just not fun. Additionally, I'm you know Southern California, so I'm working all around the desert, and the summer happens to be the field season. So you know I'm out there middle of nowhere, and it's 100, 810 degrees, and I'm expected to be walking around, dig holes, look for things, that sort of stuff. Um, or you know we're working in the winter, and it's like oh it's negative two degrees out, and we're still out here doing stuff. My water bottle's frozen. I can't drink any water, but we're still out here. Um, and so that was part of it. Uh, the other part was just that it's hard being away from home for so long um, because I would be out on project for an entire week at a time pulling 10-hour days and then get two, three days to take care of the business, try and relax, and then back out. And that just puts a damper on social life, family time, things like that. And those things are important to me. So it's like, okay, I got to do something that... I can do when I'm older kind of thing and my parents and grandparents were all educators of some level and I remember the life that they were able to give me my brothers and my sister and I was like this is something I can do and I chose to do middle school science because I remember fondly my time in middle school um, and the fun we got to do in science it was before we got into high school we actually had to 
really focus in on like the math behind it. It was just, okay, we're just exploring the world around us and we get to have fun with it. Very cool. So I know that your teacher, your parents are both teachers mm-hmm. and grandparents. Mm-hmm. So you said younger siblings. Did they fall under the I mean, fall under the trap, so to say? Well, my sister has. She's earning her credential right now. She's going to go for being a kindergarten teacher. Oh, she's a she's a hero. Mm-hmm. That's that's crazy town. Yeah. So it's that I. It's not something I have that gift for. I can handle middle school. I don't. I don't know what I would do with kindergartners. Um, they're great, but I don't know what to do with them. My brother. We're still waiting to figure out what he's doing. He currently, he's got a master's in aerospace engineering, so hopefully he'll do something with that, but we'll see. Ah, cool. All right, what is one thing that students would be surprised to find out about you other than uh, you were making sure that tanks didn't run over important <laughs> cultural things? Um, something that they'd probably find surprising, it's not that I keep it a secret, it just doesn't come up in conversation, but... Uh, When I went through middle school, I had a learning disability, which made things a little bit tricky. I was diagnosed with something called dysgraphia. Dysgraphia, yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, with hindsight as an adult, I'm not 100% sure that was the right diagnosis. But the main thing for me was spelling and handwriting were the problem. And back at that time, when word processes were just, like, starting to become a thing, and you do the spell check, my entire page would be read with this like underlined stuff. The best way I can describe it is I just spell things phonetically and English is not the most phonetic of languages. Yeah. Um, so that was my deal for me. Um, it was just tricky because I could usually read my handwriting but then making sure that a teacher could also do that um, was tricky and so I was someone who had a 504. It's like, okay, no. Extended time, allow them to type things, spell check, things like that um so yeah for some students it's like we all have just different things that can kind of get in our way from time to time and especially in middle school i think it's really important that we find those tools and those strategies that help us get around those or help us compensate uh for it you know when i i told you the other day is that like i go man I bet you just love being a teacher. Like I, when I listen to you, like the describing those kind of things, understanding like a deep level of understanding of what a disability means or like how that impacts your education. Like um, I just, I, I can imagine the multitude of steps that you take to make sure that students like are able to still learn in your class and, mm-hmm. and, take, and make big growth. That's a comment, not really a question. (laughs) I'm not the best podcast host in the world. I'm just kind of making it up as I go. All right, so what makes a good day at school for you? A good day at school for me is when everything just kind of clicks. All the different resources I put together are making sense. The kids understand it. They're able to work. They're getting their stuff done. Um, I'm able to kind of just sit back a little bit, take my hands off the wheel, and they just kind of go. That's a really good day for me when I know that the training has kicked in, the kids know what they're responsible for, and they're being successful in their own way. Right on. Well, man, every time that I've seen you teach, that's what (laughs) it's like, man. You're like a well-oiled machine. Well, we're trying. All right. What's the best thing about being in education? The best? Besides summer off. Besides summer break. Come on. That's nothing. Um, (laughs) Well, I mean, especially right now, I'm really excited about the Next Generation Science Standards. Those are such a big game changer in how things are done. 
especially when you like really boil it down and look into it, they're not standards anymore. They're performance expectations. Students are no longer expected to know things. They're expected to be able to do things, which makes it much more challenging both for myself as an educator being able to explain it. I can't just rely on, here's the textbook, go read it, memorize it, come back. It has to be applicable. And it's just it's a huge shift in how things are done. And I'm excited for it because, to me, it's better. You're no longer learning about science, or you're no longer required to learn about science. Now you're required to learn how to do science, which is, I think, a much more exciting and important skill set to have. I'm going to expose my nerdiness as well. Mm-hmm. Like I, My wife and I, we talk about our Next Generation Science Center. My, my wife... It's a teacher at high school. I think you probably. I talk about her probably mm-hmm. a little bit more than I should, but like, uh, yeah, I agree. The uh, as I was a shop teacher, that felt like the purpose of my um, of my subject area was to give students a practical application for academic skills. Right. So the things that they taught or the things that they learned in other classes, it it, it was giving them a way to apply those skills, and that's what's really exciting about. And GSS is like, okay, it doesn't matter if you memorize the kingdom and phylum, right? Mm-hmm. You have to understand how science is done and, and how, how things work. And that's that, that's something kids can buy into. Absolutely. And it's like, as you said, like Linnaean taxonomic hierarchy, that's a tool. It's a model. It's, it's less important to be able to recite, you know, all of the aspects of life. And it's more important to be able to read it and figure it out understand why it's organized the way it is because then you get to do something with it you know every time i talk to you i feel like i'm talking to somebody that's smarter than me then i i say memorizing the kingdom finally you said taxonomical hierarchy Lenin, taxonomic hierarchy yeah, there you go. all right cool, Name after, fun fact on this one this one was named by a guy a swede um named carl who wanted to sound more important than it actually was so he gave himself a latin sounding name carolinius linnaeus <laughs> so that's an interesting nugget. Yeah. Although uh, the other day when we were talking about Henrietta Lacks, yeah, I feel like I I really I like I you said locks and I corrected you, you and did. said locks and I really feel like that was my one nugget. That's it. <laughs> if I can hang my hat on anything for this year, Mr. Foster, is that I corrected you one time. There that's it is. okay. I'm sure there'll be many opportunities <clears throat> for that. <laughs> All right. What's the What's the last book you read? Um. Well, I've been working my way through two series. One for fun and one to actually try and learn. Uh, the one for fun, I'm making my way through the Lord of the Rings series again. It's been my favorite book since I was in about fifth grade. Um, and with Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power on Amazon now, I was like, okay, i got to go back through it so I know exactly everything that's going on. Um, not that they're at the same time period or anything, but just the background context. Um, and the one that I'm reading right now for my own education is uh, John Dewey's How We Think. So on the metacognition of learning and how people think and work. You know, he's one of those uh, thinkers that was influential in early American education with the system. And, you know, he's someone that I read excerpts from when I was doing my credentialing program, uh, but I've never actually fully digested the text. And it's one of those books where you're thinking about how you think about thinking. So it's incredibly meta and sometimes hurts your head 
And so they're just, this is like the third time I've had to pick it up, um, just like coming back to it. It's just like, I, I just have to be able to sit and focus on it for a while. Wow, yeah. Actually, you know, because I, I use Dewey quotes all the time, and I'm, mm-hmm. like I get nuggets from here and there, but I've never actually read one of his books, so I mm-hmm. bet that's something else. It's weird. Like, it makes sense, and he's a good writer. It's just, yeah, metacognition is hard. I always tell my students when we're doing it, it's like, this is one of the hardest things you're ever going to do, thinking about your own thinking. Yeah, because it, it's it's wild, and you just have to have such a knowledge set, because you you know you can only understand the limits of your knowledge when you're kind of tested against it. You can only understand uh, that you're wrong if it's pointed out that you're wrong, or that if your understanding is less than it needs to be to solve a situational problem or something. And it's just it's just a mind warp. It takes you a know, what? like the. Uh, um, the way you're describing that, my, one of my very favorite things, and I actually I love having conversation with you because I, mm-hmm. I feel like I can get smarter just by hanging out with you. <laughs> but the, uh, um, you know, one my one of my favorite books of all time is uh, is Stephen Hawking's uh, uh, A Brief History of Time, mm-hmm. um, because that same concept of like I understand things to a certain level, and I feel like I'm a, I, I know I goof around and think I'm a, a <laughs> chucklehead from Montana, but like. Uh, I think I'm a pretty smart guy and I can usually understand a lot of concepts pretty well, but man, Mm -hmm. I love something that challenges how I think, how Mm -hmm. I look at the world or those kind of things. So, um, you know what, I'm going to have, now I'm going to have to get that book. I'm going to have to get, read some Dewey. It's, that's like 1920s though, isn't it? Something like that, yeah, like like early 1900s, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, let's see. Uh, If you could give one piece of it, wait, did I skip one? No. Nope. Right. What excites you? No, yeah, we you covered that one. So if you could give one piece of advice to a student, what would you give? I would say, I mean, it's kind of like how I touch back with like the learning disability. It's like middle school is the time to make mistakes and, for lack of a better term, fail. Not like fail a class, but not succeed at a goal, be it completing the homework, making sure you have everything with you, or uh, properly filling out a form now's the time to make those mistakes and learn those lessons because and I don't think a lot of people really understand just how structured the school environment is and then you know you graduate from high school you turn 18 and you're expected to be able to do all the stuff on your own no real scaffolding and it's like yeah it's like middle school is that time to figure out how to learn what you don't know how to engage with uh, finding the pieces of information or finding the important uh, documents you need or finding the procedures because in high school your grades matter if you want to transfer on to college or a technical school or certain jobs require GPA requirements. College, it's its whole thing. I mean, the dropout rate of four-year universities is astounding because they get there and it's not like high school. It's not that well structured there's a lot more free time open space because they expect them to behave like adults and you know the brain doesn't stop growing until you're 25 and you're sending 18 year olds 19 year olds out into the world by themselves and it makes sense why they drop out with that um so yeah for middle school it's like it's okay to not be perfect all the time now's the time to make those mistakes now's the time to learn from them that's brilliant, man. So, <clears throat> you hear that? Make your mistakes now. <laughs> Do it. All right. Thank you, Mr. Foster.